You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. The end. <laughs> now uh, that was a good movie. We're done. <laughs> actually, um, speaking of that movie, The Truman Show, if you don't know which movie we're talking about. How could you not? No. This, Come on. This week it was 20 years old. Before the after the show discussion did not include this movie, but you know. No, I saw 20 the, years? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I saw like on IMDb. The I feel like the, I need to watch it. Yeah, they had it on the main page that how relevant it still is today. Rele- more? Yeah. Holy even, crap. Yeah, more so. But there you go. A tr- if you want a movie recommendation <laughs> off the top of the show, it's The Truman Show. <laughs> what an awesome movie. It really was. Is yeah. I mean, it still exists, so. It does. It did not disappear into a time capsule. Or maybe it did. Anyway, um, what's the before the after the show discussion? Um, it was me on my soapbox talking about something and me deciding if I want to play The Sims or City Skylines. And if you're desperate to find out which one, I'm creating a new map right now in my City Skylines. But it could change. I could at any time go back to Oh, The, to the Sims, Sims had a big uh, pack. Yes, you are the seasons. Correct. So for for the first time, I think it's for the first time ever you can have weather in the Sims, right? Which seems like don't bore people. I'm not going to go on about my games the way some people do. I'm just saying. Well, my choices are. You do play the Sims a lot. Well, when I go into City Skylines, it's happy to tell me that I've played 600 hours. 600. Yeah, but (laughs) let me say though, you often just leave it switched on and go away. I do, so because that, I want to see what happens if all the people get very unhappy, it, you know, you build cities. People don't want to hear this. I'm not the gamer discusser. So before the after the show was just that and us dibble-dabbling, discussing You know, you know what would be really annoying? If I'm the person listening, and I really do want to hear this, and you're telling me <laughs> they don't want to hear it, and you're like, no, no, I was waiting for them to talk about The Sims. <laughs> but they weren't, so <laughs> I'm then you're I know. Going, no, they don't want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, but they're not. So, right. so uh, it is Saturday, June the thirtieth. This is after the show. We're a movie review podcast, and uh, this is episode five hundred and thirty-seven. The movie we're looking at this week is the movie Love Simon. It's a twenty eighteen movie, already released on Blu-ray on the twelfth of June. You can pick it up now. It's also PG-13, and it's from our friends at Fox, who sent us the 4K copy for review, and Sid Tor will give you the synopsis of Love, Simon. It is a coming-of-age story for what I assume is an 18-year-old boy, because he's a senior in high school, I guess, yes, senior in high school, coming of age, figuring out who he is, um, who he wants to be with, and kind of the complications of being a teenager, and it includes, because he's gay... Spoilers! <laughs> it's, like, attention on that. It's just that I don't see it as that movie, so you know, I'm in the minority, everyone will jump on that bandwagon, but it's really about what they say at the end of the movie, that you have to figure out who you are in the world, and the world won't always like you. 
it doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you do. Now, if you're a horrible, destructive human being who kills people or harms people intentionally, that's different than what I'm talking about. Like, this if you like sports really or you quick. don't like, <laughs> if you like sports or you don't like sports, you eat meat, you don't eat meat. You're who you are, you know? I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult when you don't, when you don't add up to one single stereotype or one single label that everybody wants you to be. And there are parts of you that just fit in right. And then there's one thing and another thing that doesn't. And homosexuality. Are we still in the synopsis? Yes. (laughs) Or is this a review? (laughs) This is one of my interpretations. Does the synopsis turn into like a discussion? (laughs) Well, you, this is was our before they have to show discussion. Both of us had a lot to say to just each other about homosexuality and how in a thousand years can it just not be a thing? Can it just be that we're just humans and it doesn't? It matters in the person's life because it's part of you growing as a human and finding a mate if you choose or not or people in your life or not, whatever. That's important. It's not, it can't be a kicking post for the rest of fucking humanity. It's ridiculous. It's it's just ridiculous at this point. So, so you can imagine, I want this movie to be what it is. And it's about a young man figuring out who he is and the obstacle of, in this case, being able to tell people that he is gay or that he knows that he's gay. Now that part is the synopsis. There you go. All right. So let me say that Love, Simon, this movie, um, Try go out there and try and find another big studio movie that is about a gay coming of age teen drama, and you you won't find one. And I found that really hard to believe. We're in the year twenty eighteen. We're supposed to be more progressive. Is that progressive? I don't. I think that's not fair to say. It shouldn't be progressive. I mean, that is how you would put it, right? To people who are not. <laughs> no, like, no. In fact, I wouldn't classify that at all because it just is a human thing. And so, it's not progressive or tolerant of you to get off your fucking high horse and decide that it's none of your goddamn business who anybody falls in love with as long as they're a productive, caring so human being. So, no, it's not progressive and it's not tolerance. It's just the opposite. It's being... I don't know. So there are no other Ignorant. movies like this um, that exist. So this one's kind of groundbreaking in that way because, I mean, there are other things like this. We watch Supergirl, right, on CW. Mm-hmm. They, they do... There's loads of entertainment things that have homosexuality as a main feature. I don't know why we would think that this isn't, other right. than the fact that they're teenagers, but there's loads of it because there they're just people. There is, but what I'm specifically saying here is... That this this one is there are these coming of age type movies that there are lots of and they're made all the time. They're generally heterosexual, right? Right, but if we keep drawing attention to that, then we keep drawing yeah, attention to it. I don't think we should. I don't think we should because I don't think so because it's yeah. just a movie about somebody who's finding out who they are in the in their life, and it's just like you always make the argument about but, like paying attention, like to race or other kinds of variety in movies that it should just be the way it is and we shouldn't have to like wave our hands every time an african-american or a person of another nationality is featured because it should just be what it is that's what i said at the end of this movie that 
Like, more movies like this need to be made. Like, more movies like Black Panther need to be made. Then eventually, nobody will be going, oh, that's the black movie, that's the gay movie. Eventually, it'll just be Right, but as we draw attention to it every time, that that makes it more of a thing. It should just exist, and we enjoy it. But more more should be made, was my point. So Not necessarily, just people hmm. need to just get over it. So, um, so this movie, um, it is a, it's not the kind of movie I would generally normally watch. If this was, um. Yeah, because what I say before is it's going to be a coming of age movie of some teenager sappy. figuring out their sexuality. And yeah. I was 100% correct. No, I don't think you, did you say figuring out the sexuality? Yeah. All right. Um, not figuring out the sexuality as in coming to terms with being a sexual person. I didn't mean the homosexuality thing because I didn't know that part. I just knew that it was going to be just like all the other coming of age movies. Which I haven't seen. Where you a lot go of. from being a child you, to being an adult, and a big part of that is sexuality. Have you seen a lot of coming of age movies? Loads, of course. I mean, like in the like like um, this generation's coming of age movies. How many? I don't think there are lots. I mean, you could argue that things like those dance movies are and could stuff. Could you say Twilight is? I don't know. Because it is like a coming of age movie. It just happens to have vampires in it. You know, it's still teenagers growing up. How about Hunger Games? Is that coming of age? <laughs> kind of, in a, in a really hardcore kind of situation. Um, I can't even think, actually, of what is, you know, obviously exactly. we have coming of age movies when we were growing up. There was many of them. But then again... We're the first generation, really. There were a few in the 50s that sort of addressed the emerging teenage culture, but they were... a geared to be adult with the adult with adults being the teenagers and sort of this weird transitional period but until the 80s you didn't really have teenagers being teenagers i don't think but the age you know uh, reflected in what they say and how they are and all that stuff so with this movie love simon what i um i actually quite liked it but then again it's not perfect either and the problems I have with it are it's a bit too, um, like, shiny, Americana, kind of, like, perfect. His family is, yeah. It, yeah, and just in general, the, them going to school. Yes, there is some the problems that crop up and stuff, but it's all very, like, movie-ish. Like, I couldn't even... My school was kind of... I know I know I don't live today at school, but there was no, like, jolly teacher who runs around and, like really mouthy, you know, it just seems very kind of phony. Yeah, I agree. You know, like, nobody goes to school and it's like, just like what they portray here. And, you know, there's some there's some very pigeonholed people in this movie who are there to serve a writing point. Like, Correct. I agree. Yeah, there's like a, you know, a dude in school who is very feminine and he's come out as gay, and he gets bullied. That character's there for a very specific purpose in Simon's story. So it feels a lot like that, and yeah, no, it is based on a book, and and books have, you know, you write your people, and you join them all together. But I kept feeling that during the movie. And you know, like, there's the finale in this movie with the Ferris wheel. It just feels, nobody does, that doesn't happen. It felt pretty, yeah. Where the whole school stands around and watches something happen it's that just all feels very but there again it's also lovely <laughs> you know it's like i mean it's it fiction. makes you feel it's good fiction. yeah but it doesn't feel like a realistic scenario of kids at school 
I mean, nope. at the end of 16 Candles, she sits on a dining room table and he's brought her a cake and she kisses him over the candlelight. So, I mean, they're all hokey. Right. And, now, you know. Yeah, and they are, they are. And that's how this is kind of... Put. But what I did like about um, what I didn't feel phony to me um, was the relationship between them as friends. Like the the core group of friends in this movie. You know when they were at the party, the Halloween party, things like that? It just felt like, well, that's what friends would be like. This doesn't feel like a movie-ish bit. Mm. The scene where she talks to him in his bedroom. I'll be honest, that's not really how friends are. I know you've had friends in your life, that's not really how it is. It's, if, that's really, really fake as well to me. That was one of my least things that I could buy into. So I mean, there's nothing gritty and real about the movie at all. Like, no. Even though it's dealing with a subject that is a lot of people would be affected by. And a lot of people who are literally going, I wish they'd make a movie about this scenario because I'm going through it, right? Yeah. And I want to relate to it. And I can see that it's a real, you know, it's a very relatable thing for that. Well, then you have Moonlight. Which is a, yeah. That's a young man coming of age. So so you didn't mention that in any of those, I guess they said studio movies that featured, you know, a coming of age of a young man. Right. As the... That's an indie movie, I guess. Right, uh, yeah. but that—that's that's the that's the hardcore version. Yeah, of somebody struggling through their life, figuring out who they are, and who they are doesn't fit in the life that's been built around them. And that's why I think of these, you know, of yeah. life in general. But yeah, that's one of those where you get the uh, a really broad version. Um, Look from every direction of that guy's life. I really, I love Moonlight. I say, if, really if Moonlight, Moonlight's like the HBO version of this kind of story, and Love Simon's like the Disney Channel version of I this kind Moonlight of story. I think Moonlight should have won Picture of the Year. Oh wait, it did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm not this age, but you're really not this age. <laughs> I, um, you know, and and you know, it makes me think when I watch things like this, like, oh God. It was so different for us. It was different yet the same. Like school, like these days when you see these depictions of children in high school and you're like, oh, they drive. Well, this is just also a British American thing. Oh, look, they drive cars to school. What the hell? And <laughs> I drove a car to school and yeah, that was a long time ago. But in England, ago. there's no driving a car to school because you leave school at 16 and you don't really learn to drive till you're 16. So, Well, I have this I've seen in movies where kids ride the city bus to school. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, we, and when I, I was in Mexico, loads of kids in their little uniforms were on the city bus. And that yep. to me is like, what? But I did that. So that's the normal for yeah. me. So when I see like American kids in a car driving themselves to school, it always, it always, I was always like, is that really what it's like? <laughs> but then there's obviously the age difference with kids being older at school. So there's that. And plus the way they depict school nowadays with social media and bullying through social media and like everything hinging on like whether you're popular and all that kind of stuff. It was probably like that when we was at school. But we just didn't have the tools like that, right? True. Oh, true. You know, people still had clicks and people wrote things about people or gossiped about people here and there. But today it's so instant and like so mean, it seems like you can just go there on like they portray it in this movie. There's like the subreddit for the school where everybody talks about each other and like you just post some something gets post on there and then your life is ruined at school. Like 
Uh, I imagine that's pretty real. Yeah, I imagine that's pretty real. And it feels really mean and really of today, like how instant everything is. Like, you know, we'll just call this person something. We were just talking about Chris Hardwick, the presenter of The Talking Dead. We say something about him, or somebody says something about him, and then all of a sudden he is his life is ruined, right? It's Whether like, we know it's real, not real, we it's like it's just, almost and once it's written down, it's the fact. Yeah. So that was very relevant to this where I was like, Wow, this is it's kids as yeah, kids have probably always been mean, but it's so <laughs> it's so easy to be mean now because nobody needs to know it was you and you write something about somebody at school and then everybody's looking at them the next day going, oh, look, it's that guy that everybody said this about. When yeah. that guy clearly might have never done anything. It's just today's the day to pick on that guy. So I don't like that, but I know it's realistic, but I bet it's horrible being at school nowadays. <laughs> what, it what seems to me like it would be. Yeah, it seems like it would be worse than it was in our day because it's so... People can be... <laughs> you know, you went to school in our day. You kind of got bullied and poked at while you was at school. You did, I did, right? Occasionally, but not too bad. I went to a super small school, remember? So it was a little bit different. There was there was many dicks in my school that would, you know, I was into computers and shit like that. So you, I'm not into football. So imagine. Okay, got so, it. So Well, I was fat, so imagine. I, back then, like I like to say now, I was fat before it was the thing to be. I was fat when I was the only overweight person, not only in my class, but if you lined everybody up in the gym, there would be like the three fat kids in the whole school. And we're talking, that's 40 years ago. So that's a huge thing, huge, pardon the pun, but I mean, that would have been my thing, but it was more about the way I felt about myself with the occasional making fun of, but it's a different thing, but still, yeah, I understand. So how I felt about it was like, when I was at school, I would go, we'd go to school, we'd get bullied and picked on and stuff, and then we'd go home and we escape from the bullying and being picked on because we've gone home now. But nowadays, you can be picked on 24 hours a day by dickheads on social media, right? You get True. You go go home, you look at the school's Facebook page and people are being dicks, or wherever they go to post things about you. So True. at least then you could get away from it. I don't think you can now because your phone will just be, if people want to be dicks, they'll get your phone, they'll get your texts and they'll start texting you, right? It's just, it just seems really I think mean. you and I just don't, I am, I am happy and happy is the right word to have an open discussion and even, you know, be able to point out to somebody all the shit that I don't like about them. I'm willing to have an argument with people face to face. This is what I think you are being an asshole about and have them throw it right back at me. I was trained as a child by an aggressive, hateful, asshole, alcoholic father in lots of fights. So I think I got a thicker skin to where I'm not afraid to face somebody down. So I don't have the sneaky shit. I don't do gossip. I don't understand the, hey, did you hear that so-and-so whatever, whatever, and then laugh at them behind their back or make fun of somebody behind their back or even bitch about somebody specifically somebody, not just an idea or a trend or something, but a person without just confronting them. I'm not afraid of confrontation. And I feel like I'm like bobbing in an ocean of people who are just chicken shit. Like they're too chicken shit to say to somebody, look, 
and this is a stereotypical thing that you we are led to believe that's real, and I do know it's real, but someone saying to somebody, hey, you act, you act gay. Are you gay? To say it to somebody's face. It's horrible. It's a horrible question. It's confronting. But what's worse to then go to a group of people behind their back and start saying it and then cause some shit to just really destroy them as a human being or just getting it out in the open and, like, confronting things? I don't know. I just don't get this, the cyberbullying or bullying in general. No. Um, so these kinds of things always kind of raise a red flag. Like, is this being severe? You know, is this more intense than it really is? Or is this just scratching the surface and it's a humongous problem in your in people's lives? I don't know. I'm not very, I'm also not that, I'm pretty impervious to people not liking me. So I've never been that super affected. I haven't had people at work. This is just a couple weeks ago. Somebody's like, you're kind of scary. People think you're kind of scary. And I'm like, good. <laughs> That's fine. That, but what that told me was somebody has said it. Someone has mentioned it from whatever, either the way I carry myself or the things I say or the way I talk. So they've discussed it, right, without me being there and come to the conclusion that I'm scary. <laughs> but one person had the nerve to tell me to my face. And I respect that. So what this main story is about is this kid who's gay. Does it, and he can't say he's gay, right? Because why can't he say he's gay? He just hasn't felt it yet, like that he... He also he questioned himself if he was convinced that it's not just something. He wasn't sure in, him, is it in his own self if it was, like, really who he is. Right. Or if it, you know, so... And I think, you know, we, it's established that his family is going to be fine with it. They're liberal, kind of loving, funny little parents, you know. So he's not afraid of them. Um, They're a bit too perfect, to be honest. A little too perfect. He just says multiple times that he doesn't want anything to change. And I totally think that's the message of the movie. That when you tell the world something about yourself that isn't fitting in the, the creation that they have in mind of you. You know, you're a fictional character, really, because you're a combination of all these people's interpretations of who you are. If you then break all of those, (laughs) like you just knock them all down with like one new idea or one new thing that you are or that you've decided to be or that is just who you are. Like if you're homosexual, that changes everything. So I think that's the message that he kept saying over and over. And I think that's why he just was nervous about it. And there are a couple of scenes in this movie where it does. There's a scene where he's just looking at his family before he's told them and they're just all being happy and running around. And it's like. He's looking through the window at his family thinking, I love like that. And if I say something about myself, like, is that all going to change? Is that the end of that? You know? Right. And I don't think he's afraid of like rejection so much as just change. It'll be different. Yeah. Like it won't, like every, everything's different once you know. We're all going to have to deal with it. We're all going to have to talk about it. It's going to have, my expectations of me will be different, all that kind of stuff. So um, how did you feel about like the... Did you think it was handled well? The, I mean, I'm not homosexual, so it's kind of like uh, trying to address the situation where you've never lived that life, you know? So I don't know. Are you talking about, like, his hesitation and the reactions? His journey, like, from the beginning to the, you know. The- I think as a person, knowing something about yourself that you have, you are compelled to share, but you know, just like we just said, it's going to change everything. I totally was on board with that. The homosexual thing, I don't know, because I, I can only see from what 
or, you know, what I've seen other people have to go through or stories about it, but it felt genuine to me. Then again, there's going to be so many people who go, who say just what you said. This family is too bloody perfect. There is no way. Yeah. Now there are going to be families who are open hearted and that they love a person and no matter what, that's cool with them. But for most of the movies and stories we've heard, that's not how it goes down. So I'm sure it feels false to a lot of people. Yeah. Cause it, cause the movie in general does have that kind of like, it's got a big, like shiny bow on it. Like yeah. there's no grit, no dirt or grits. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just, it's just quite lovely. Like the, you know, even when it's coming down to like, there's a little bit of, you know, there's some kind of bullyish dudes in the school who kind of give the gay guy some hard, a hard time. Even that is like, Left not exactly off. how it would be. Yeah, kind of. I mean, like they it. come in and sing a song to to put them down, but as we know in real life, it it probably would involve some violence too, right? Correct. But it never does in this movie. It's all very. So I guess you could say if you've been a victim of violence, that that's like trying to pretend it doesn't exist. But then every movie and every story we tell as humans can't have. No, it can't be everything. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you've got to cover the parts that mean something to you. And this one didn't have that so much. It doesn't have it at all, to be honest. There's no, there's not an ounce of grit. <laughs> I mean, maybe in the drama, like in just the like situation, like I, I was definitely thinking the moment that he does tell his family that he's, that he's gay, that, that actual moment. I could see like... I was watching and I was looking at his portrayal of it and I was like, that's the most difficult day of somebody's life, right? Sure. Like I would think. I, mean, I don't know, but some people it would be, yeah. Some and, people would just be like, fuck it, I'm telling you this. And either that it. day ends in like, it's the most like, everything is off my shoulders moment and it's awesome. Or it ends in like, that's my life has changed today because today my parents don't want to know me anymore. Correct. Or, you know, which doesn't occur in this movie. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Today it's like a good day for him, but yeah, it, he portrayed it well, but I kept thinking this is too like easy. It seems easy <laughs> for him. Well, you have to also consider like um, movies are also just it's a story and it is a bit of an escape. And if a person, you know, any stories that we've watched, we like all kinds. We like really gritty, horrible stuff. We like horror. I like horror. We like action adventure and you love sappy stuff and you love cute stuff and we love but Disney I also movies. Like a, a gut-wrenching drama too. I Correct. Like. Or weird yeah. things that don't, that barely make sense. So we like it all because it takes you to a different place. And if you identify with the people, or the aliens, or the creatures, or whatever you're watching, even a little bit, even if it's an animated character, um, like Zootopia, you know, this little rabbit trying to become a cop, and everybody's picking on her and giving her a hard time, somehow in there, girls or people who feel like they're in a minority and try to bust into a, a you know, a workplace or something in, in life that's difficult because of that stereotype... It's a little animated rabbit. Like, you're not an animated rabbit, and yet there's something in that character where you can grab onto it, and it can lift you up and give you a little bit a little bit of, like, you know, mm. And so in this one, it's all kind of perfect and sweet, and like you said, there's no violence, and it's not rough or, or threatening in any way, and that could be a relief to some people, I would imagine, just escaping into that sort of reality. So yeah. the... It's a little too mushy for me, but I understand that they can't all be, you know. 
And it does have the PG-13 one F-word mm-hmm. uh, limit. And it was perfect. I thought it was well. Yeah. You've really got to... Like, I've said it more than once in this podcast. Because you're allowed one F-word in a PG-13, the movies that do decide to have that F-word, they usually do plan it. At a good, it's like, oh yeah, I, that's valid there. You know, it's not gratuitous. I always bring it back to Armageddon, the greatest film ever made. <laughs> oh my God. You just lost every, any ounce of credibility that you would have. <laughs> you, know, you know the F word in that movie. There's one F word. It comes from Billy Bob Thornton. It's at a perfect moment. I think yeah. that is, that's the best example. You're a little biased because you, <laughs> you do love that movie. I do. Strangely. Um, so um, overall... I, I like this movie quite a bit, but it's Disney Channel kind of saccharineness kind of took away some of the drama for me. Mm. And that is my issue. Now, if you love that kind of wholesome, I don't what is Like, it? if you want to fantasize, okay, I'm going to step in the shoes of somebody totally fictional here. But if you're the person who is 17 years old, you know that you're gay or you feel that you're gay. And you also know that once you tell everybody it's going to be terrible, people will reject you. You could, you know your life and you know it's going to go badly. And you watch this movie. It's like you can experience that in a different way. You know, it's fiction. That's a good point. But it can at least like, Uplift you know. Uplift you in a way? Else. A little bit. And even if you turn around and you never tell the people in your life, at least you've experienced it through a story in a way that kind of gives you an hour and a half of, you know, <laughs> I can, I can, I'd love to see that happen. Cause we all, that's why we watch romantic comedies and Christmas movies that have wonderful, happy endings, because that's not life that yeah. lifts you up enough in life or enough of an escape or whatever. So I think it's fair the way it's made. I just would have liked a little less, the parents just really kind of got on my nerves, but, you know. Yeah, you, yeah, but you say that, and we'll get on to the cast now. Um, was there anything else you needed to discuss about the movie? Did you like... Um, <laughs> you want more? <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you like... There's kind of a mystery in this movie. Like, I did like that, but I think that it felt very literary, and then we found out it was a book, and I'm like, yep, that makes perfect sense, because yeah. it felt very literary, but I really liked it, that... And I totally got that part. He's emailing a person. Neither of them know who's the other, who the other is. They've accepted one another. And he's spilling fact, his, correct. You know, his heart out on correct. the page. And you kind of, in my mind, I'm going both ways. I'm like, is this a trap? Did you ever wonder if it was like a setup? And I then did. at some point somebody was going to be like, ta-da, ha-ha, you idiot. This is... So I felt that and it kind of gave it a little bit of tension. And then him trying to fantasize that it was different you know, young men around the school or whatever. I yeah. really liked that premise. I thought that was an interesting way to do it. Yeah, because the first time they revealed, like, one of those things, one of those little infanticizing, I was like, oh, we're revealing it now? And then it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, it takes me a minute, too. Like, yeah. is this? Oh, okay. Oh, I like, oh, I like no, that. No. Yeah. So, yeah, there there is a little bit of a, not a whodunit, but it's that, you know, keeps you guessing. Didn't keep me guessing, really. I was actually, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. At the end, I was like, ah, yep. yeah, yeah. Totally. Makes sense. It all makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So um, the cast here, Nick, Rob- Nick Robinson plays Simon. I have to say, I think he was really good. He like, yeah. there were moments where I was like, 
This is like a tricky... I don't know if Nick Robinson is homosexual. It doesn't really matter anyway, does it? No, he's a performer, so it doesn't um, matter. But I don't know how... Well, I do know his brother is... So I, he will have some... Just so you know, Bruce Willis also doesn't drill oil on an asteroid. So no, no. I'm just talking about do. <laughs> his reference for, you know, his, does he... But yes, he does. His brother is gay, right? So he knows somebody who is? Because you've got to draw a reference from something, haven't you? I don't think so, because most fictional characters don't don't exist. You're just pulling on emotion, and the emotion would be... I've got a secret, a, I can't say. Yeah, this is a character yeah. who needs to cope with the this the plugging in and out what the secret is or the thing about you while homosexuality is just a human like it is who you are other things are choices or things you've come to the conclusion about it's still the same feeling i think about exposing that to the whole world and i think that would be what you've drawn some of my favorite moments of him nick robinson here where he's where he's not come out yet, but he realizes he's attracted to boys. Where he's talking to that boy in the diner, and he goes outside, and he's trying to be like, <laughs> yeah, he's trying to be like, well, I'm going to be cool and talk to this, you know, good-looking dude and see if he's interested. But it comes across as real, like, oh god, it's cringy a little bit, a little bit, which is good, no, which good. is how it would happen in real life. So I, I look, I love those parts. They felt really natural. Where it's like. Where he's like, I, you know where he, oh, where he shouted across to that gardener with the, yeah. with the muscle? <laughs> you know, it just backfires on him completely. Because that's what people do. <laughs> if you're a dude and you're attracted to the girl across the street who you find very attractive, you're going to say and do weird shit. Yeah. And if I'm the girl who's attracted to the guy mowing the yard, I'm going to be like real nervous and be like, okay, I'm going to walk outside. And then you like trip over your own foot and they like laugh at you and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Like it's the <laughs> same. It's exactly the same. It's just unfortunately for a homosexual person it has to be a secret, yeah. which makes no sense. So I did like some of those uh, and I did think he played it pretty well. I agree. Um, Jennifer Garner plays his mother, Emily. Now, I have something to say about these two parents. I hated them, right? They, they're too perfect. I didn't like the parents. But on the other side of that, Jennifer Garner, I really liked that scene where she sat and talked to him and she was crying. I didn't. I liked it. I thought it was really funny. And I thought the scene where the, the dad's played by Josh Dumel and the scene where the dad's waiting for him when he's putting away the Christmas lights outside and he just wanted to say... Like, I, I, you know, he just wanted to express something to his son. Like, I, I'm not mad at this. I'm not, I'm just with you, right? Did you like that scene? No. I thought they were really boring. I thought he, I don't know, he dug deep or something, Josh Demel there. <laughs> um, and I really liked that scene. But yeah, Jennifer Garner, they're just like, they're too perfect. Too generic. And he's, I mean, that's part of what he's writing is that his... Dad yeah. was the high school jock and the, too good for his own good, and the mother was like a hot valedictorian, and now she's like a you know a doctor. And I don't, I didn't catch what he grew up to be. So they've painted the picture. We're all aware that they're just too perfect. But what that's supposed to do is make you aware also that these are two people who are well educated, well informed, fun loving parents with movie night and breakfast every morning and choking around, and so that. He should. He's not afraid of them, right? He's not afraid of that. That I think that's why that's a, written that way. Yeah, it's not the kind of parent who you like. I can't tell them anything. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like there is friends, like whatever. And so that also is just, I know that exists in the world, but her house was too clean. So it was super, <laughs> I, I just thought those family situations felt really phony, like in a way. Yeah. Um, the little sister who's obsessed with Chopped and yeah. becoming a chef. I mean, that's cute, but, you know. So, yeah, while we know those two actors, and there were a couple of scenes I liked from either of them, I could have done without them. I could have done, I could have had this as a, like you said earlier, a... Like Charlie Brown parents. Yeah, like, the, like oh, the parents, I was thinking of Home Alone. Like, the parents are just there very, a little bit. <laughs> and then you don't see them again for a while. I mean, you have to establish the, his the, his state of mind when it comes to fi- the final telling people, right? So you have to understand yeah. where he's where what he might be afraid of or whatever. But so you've got um, his friends. Uh, he has a group of friends in this. Uh, Catherine Langford plays Leah. What did you think of Leah? Oh, she was good. She was one of my favorite things in yeah. the whole movie. She I was, liked her. She was his closest friend out of them, I, I think. Yeah. Um. And then Alexandra Ship played Abby, who was his other friend. She was good. She had moments of a little over um, theatrical. I did like the scene where <laughs> she said she loved him in the car. Yeah, that was very good. That was a real friendship moment where I was like, oh, you know, like you really do need friends like that in this situation. You like, need friends, friends who like can that. Yeah. You. As soon as you announce to the world and the group of people that are closest to you anything about you that they're not going to like as a group. You've got to have somebody. I mean, you could be a super loner. I'm kind of a loner person, but knowing that I have friends who completely accept and don't judge or reject me because I've got some, what they call, you know, I'm weird Sid. (laughs) It's been established. I'm the weirdo of the group, but you have to have somebody who will a defend you. If someone comes at you, I have friends who they may not agree with me. You know, they're sitting there eating a steak while I'm over here being vegetarian, but they would be the first one to tell somebody, shut the F up, if they're going to give me a hard time. (laughs) But, you know, like, you got to have somebody like that. And that's how I felt that moment was pretty genuine. I really liked it when um, she told him, I mean, he told her in the car, he he said, I'm gay. (laughs) And she's just like, oh, okay. Like, and then he goes, are you you surprised? And she's like, do you want me to be surprised? I thought that was a really good question because... It's like he did want her to be like, what? Yeah, he was like, this is a thing, right? You need to react to it. <laughs> yeah. But she was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So I mean, I'm your friend. That's all, that's but all because in his mind, he's been building up to this for his entire life to tell somebody. True. It's a bit anticlimactic for him. He's like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I really like that scene. Uh, and she was pivotal. Yeah, I much, I much prefer that scene. And with his girlfriend, friend girl, um... You know, after all the shit hits the fan. Yeah. To the parental scenes. I thought they were much more important. Jorge Lendenberg Jr. plays Nick. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. He was supposed to be kind of the semi-jock. You know, he's a football-y, a soccer, as we like to call it in America. Kind of yeah. a guy. Um, soccer guy. A little more rambunctious. Um, but I think he did a good job. Yeah, I liked... You know, Simon is a bit of a dick in this movie to his friends. Yes, exactly. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. He's becoming a bit of a... And that scene where he was driving to pick them up like he normally does, and they've got that fate that you can see. They're not happy with him over there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, he's... I mean, he's pressured into what he does. 
by somebody else. But yeah, he didn't need to be a dick to them, but he was. He tried to pair them off with each other wrongly. I mean, he was confused, and it adds drama to the story, so we have to accept that part of it. And uh, Logan Miller plays Martin. Martin's (laughs) the jokester guy. Martin's the one that you'd just be like, oh my god, if I wanted to punch anybody in the face, it'd be that guy. But then you're like, we all have that friend. But then he's actually okay as well, but then he does some bad shit, and he joined the... He has good intentions, but badly executed. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't actually know, I put... Keen Lonsdale as Bram. Who was oh Bram was Yep. Oh, yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bram was Bram, yeah. Again, he's not in it a ton, to be honest. Just enough. Yeah, I thought he was, you know, okay. Yeah. So this is directed by Greg Belanti. And if you watch any of the CW shows, um the Marvel uh sorry. Marvel. What am I saying? <gasps> the DC Blasphemer. shows. <laughs> there are a bunch of DC DC shows on CW. We watch Supergirl, but there's others. The Flash. You don't just watch Supergirl. You love Supergirl. Yeah. I Actually, that's the one I watch, but there are others. There's Flash, there's uh, Arrow, there's Legends of Tomorrow, and there's some new upcoming ones as well. Well, he's the guy who's the creative person behind all those. He also in charge of uh, Riverdale, which is a big CW show. So he is Mr. CW, and if you go and look at any of those shows, they've got the same sentiment as this movie. They're very nice. Like, <laughs> they've got a polish to them. Supergirl is very... It's it's It can go dark, but only in tone yeah. so far. And it's liberal, um, isn't it? I mean, it deals with homosexual relationships it deals with it goes um sometimes for the i don't know what I mean by liberal but it does talk about human issues and how we are prejudiced against one another about things that are you, not productive you know what i mean by liberal well no because liberal encompasses liberal. a lot of things well i said earlier i said progressive and you corrected me so i changed it to liberal i wasn't correcting you it's not accurate all right <laughs> so but you know what I'm saying. They, they will deal with homosexual relationships. They'll diss Donald Trump, for instance, in that show. <laughs> they actually had a Trump joke in this in this as well. So I don't think Belanti is a Trump fan. <laughs> but um, they all match up, don't they? This movie, it fits with those shows. They're not too offensive. They're fun and entertaining. And sometimes, you're right, there's... If they are going to go dark, it doesn't go too far like this movie. It just goes slightly like, oh, think about something dark and then moves back into light again. So what do you think about Greg Belanti's direction of this movie? I don't... Um, I mean, I think he got good performances, but it's pretty generic. There's nothing fancy or any weirdness about the directing. It's... I feel like it's a well... Produced and the performances are all pretty emotional. You know, even the scenes that aren't highly emotional, I think that's down to the director, like being right there and whatever the input they give. So, actually, thinking about it, the look of this movie is like a high end TV show, like Supergirl. It it's very well lit all the time. It's a it's movie. Very, it's very static. It's very like it's often just like two camera kind of thing. There's mm-hmm. no walkie. There's no like um, running about with a camera or it's trying very to be functional. Yeah, it comes across like all those shows do, which is not a bad thing because it's 
nice to look at. But everything's kind of pristine. That school's not dirty. There's no trash on the ground. There's, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's a, <laughs> it's a heightened reality almost. Slightly different. So um, extras on this uh, 4K disc is um, there are some deleted scenes. There's a thing about the adaptation, how they, you know, how they changed it from a book to the screen. And you get to see the lady who wrote the book coming on the set and uh, how she saw her thing come into life. There's also um, audio commentary with director Greg Balanti and uh, the producer. And there's a gallery. Gallery Is gallery an extra? No. Gallery is literally like scenes from the like still shots from the movie. That's it. So um, conclusion, what do you think? What's your final word? I enjoyed it. It was a little too squeaky clean for me. But still a good message, and it definitely, there's an audience waiting for this movie. Yes? I can't disagree with that, because I think that's probably true for every movie, but... <laughs> but this, it is true for every movie, but this movie will uh, has a certain voice that has not been catered to yet, right? Are you talking Unless you watch Moonlight. Yeah. But then it wasn't the same. Not the same, no. So, um, yeah, I I actually enjoyed it for what it is. It's got no surprises to it. True. And the squeaky clean nature always puts me out a little bit, like takes me out of it. But I did enjoy um, some of the performances. Um, but I, I guess I just like something a bit more dramatic. And this is not that, right? It's not super dramatic. Even though there I is. I mean, it depends on where you're coming from as a person watching it. I think is where it kind of, kind of lies with you. There is a, if it's a subject or a feeling that you have, it can feel very dramatic. It's not drama as in like you know, Moonlight <laughs> for yeah. sure. Moonlight but is very yeah. Dramatic. I think it depends. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks to Fox for the uh, disc for review. And next week's Blu-ray review is "You Were Never Really Here." This is the movie that. Um, was the talk of the town at the Cannes Film Festival this year. It stars um, Mr. Joaquin Phoenix. So we'll be looking at that next week. You were never really here. So movie recommendations this week. I am going with, on these coming-of-age type ones, I'm going with a newer coming-of-age movie called Adventureland, which I really, I really like a lot. I need to see it again. I was going to say, I don't know how new that is, my dear. Well, it's. I'm. I'm thinking... Of my age, um, the second one I'm going to recommend is not new, and this one's more newer, right? Okay. It's in the, from the 2000s Adventureland. Um, but I really enjoyed Adventureland. It's funny, and it's also sentimental. And my second one is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is actually my favorite coming-of-age movie. It, it was either Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Weird Science. But Weird Science always comes second for me, because it is a bit crazy. So, yours are? Mine are, we're going to go back to the 80s here, and I'm going to say Breakfast Club. Not just because it's coming of age, but each of the characters are telling you or showing you something that's a little bit counter to who you were expecting their stereotype to be. Just, you know, even if it's in that very, like, we're just talking about this movie being very generic, as in not super dramatic. The same goes for Breakfast Club and all those, but... It still is pointing out that each of them have a thing inside of them they don't want to share with the people around them or they will not fit in anymore. 
you know, and then you have like the crazy girl with the dandruff and the Judd Nelson guy who don't care. They're not, they don't fit into any group, but that kind of reminds me of that. And then my other one was just because right before we were going through, I was going through my list of movies I've seen and I started looking through last year's Halloween movies I watched and Patchwork was on my list. (laughs) It has nothing to do with this one at all. But just like if you like horror and weirdness, um, it's sort of a modern Frankenstein tale with um, three young ladies and a weird psychotic doctor guy. It's pretty pretty fun. Sounds like a Spanguli <laughs> movie. That movie could be representing someone saying, I want to make this weird movie, but if I make this weird movie, I'm going to get a lot of shit and people are going to really reject me, you know, and that's a different thing, but it still is taking a risk in your job, in your industry, because it's not, it's, yeah, it's totally indie, it's like off to the side, but I think if you watch it, you're like, okay, I get it. It's fun. It's (laughs) well-made-ish. All right. So those are our recommendations for this week. Uh, I've been playing a scully stuff, a new game called The Crew 2. Uh, you've seen The Crew 2 probably a little bit. Yeah. It is. I'm not a big racing car fan. I mean, racing game fan. I, I am a very big racing game fan. Oh, I'd get in a race car and drive it, but I don't I don't get the uh, thing of what, of playing it. There are very few racing games on the you know consoles and PC that I have not played. I tried to play all of them. But the Crew 2 is a big deal because it is Ubisoft's racer. And um, they do something that nobody else does. And what that is, is have the whole of America to drive across. It never loads. There's no loading screens. You drive wherever you want across America. It is a truncated version of America. No, it's kind of like they don't bother with all the states in the middle. They just call it the mid Midwest. <laughs> and it's kind of all of them crushed together. That's us. Big, We're just the Midwest. Yeah, like they and but then all the all the interesting states is that as you know they would think like Washington and you know the New York and Las Vegas, all those ones. Those Washington are, is not an interesting state. Well, it has some interesting. Uh, you mean landmarks. you mean Washington D.C. or Washington the state like Seattle? D.C. Okay, that's not yeah. a state, but okay. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's its own thing, right? Washington D.C. Yeah. Yeah. But not classed as a state. Correct. Right. So, yeah, they all those places, if you drive to them in the game, they're all represented, right? You can see the White House, you can see the Grand Canyon, you can see all those places. But, yeah, when I, I, was, uh, I was like, um, well, I'll try and go to where we are. And where we are in that middle bit, it's just flat farmland. <laughs> yeah. It's just all farmland. But then they do represent St. Louis. You can go to St. Louis and the arch is there, you know. And they do represent... No, that's it, really. They don't <laughs> represent much of the Midwest. But, you know, all the... It's... What's really cool about The Crew 2, and I've been playing The Crew 1 a bit more this week. To, before it came out, I thought I would try The Crew 1 again and see how different it was. And this game's almost like a complete reinvention of that, but it uses the same map. But it doesn't look the same because they've used a new graphic engine, so it's more detailed this time. But... It's, I really like it, but there's also some steps backward because playing the, the crew one this week, there's this whole like travel um, scenario that's in the game where you can go across America and it's, you can see these spots on the map and you head to the spots on the map and when you get there, you press your A button 
and it gives you like a little bit of history of that area. It'll say, this is the St. Louis Arch, and it'll tell you about it. And then you, you receive like a, some XP for finding each thing. And they're everywhere, scattered all over the map. But in the Crew 2, they've just removed them completely. There is nothing like that. The They're still there, all the landmarks, but there's no history lesson. I guess they, they're thinking, well, you already did that in the first one, so you don't need to do it again. But I would you like You learned that. everything you needed to know. Yeah, I would like that because even if you've ne- if you've never played the first game, that was a cool thing. I, I you know, you go to the Washington Monument and it tells you when when it was built and what it's about. I enjoyed that aspect of the crew driving around finding you could even drive to Puxatoni and <laughs> you could see where the groundhog was and it told you, you know, you it give you a just a paragraph of text, but you were like, "Okay, I understand what this place is now." But the way they've done it here with no context to anything, just assuming you know everything about America, I don't think that's quite as good because you don't know everything about America. I did find Area 51 last night and there was a crashed UFO. I'm not <laughs> sure if that happens in in real life. I'm assuming that town <laughs> that's the tourist hub of Area 51 where they capitalize on aliens, everything. I'm assuming there's like a fake flying saucer or something that some business have built. Probably. That 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 is probably it. So um, aside from driving across America just randomly and taking like a road trip, um, there are events, and a big deal with the crew two over the crew one is they've added speedboats. So there was only cars in the crew, so now you can actually use speedboats and airplanes. So as you can th- imagine, airplanes makes a whole difference because if you want to travel across the country. In a car, it's a lot quicker in a plane. So you can also transform at any time between a plane, a car, and a boat. So if you're flying in the sky and you see something down below you like, you can press a button, turn into a car, and all of a sudden you dropped onto the road down below with no penalties, no death, no nothing. (laughs) So uh, that's fun. It makes it really fun to explore. There are lots of other new um, events. There's monster truck racing. There's uh, speedboat racing, there's motocross racing, so you can ride motorcycles, there's Harley-Davidson's, there's um, pretty much every class of vehicle you can think of. There's rally cars, there's four-wheel drive cars, there's street racing cars, you know, like Need for Speed. Um, So I've not finished it or anything, I've barely scratched the surface of it, I'm playing it. I've been playing it a lot yesterday. I really like it. I see it getting really bad reviews again, but it, they're all the same. The reviews I'm reading are people who are complaining about what was what they thought was wrong with the first game. Like they don't like the yeah. handling that much in the on the cars. But I don't think people understand that the crew is like a they call it a car PG. So you like a role playing game? They call this a car role playing game. So it's not Gran Turismo. No, so it's more arcadey, but. When you first drive a car in, in the crew, it doesn't feel that good to drive. Its handling is bad. It's kind of slow. But the idea of the crew is you win races, you level up your car, you get new parts for your car. Eventually, your car becomes very responsive and very fast. But I think a lot of these reviewers review it on like the first hour and go, these cars are really slow and they don't drive very well. Well, the idea of this game is you level up your cars like you level up your character in an RPG, like you... When you play The Witcher, you, you get your little guy and he's not hes not that strong and then eventually you've leveled him up because he gets better armor and stuff. 
that's the idea of the crew. You know, it gives you more incentive to play because you can get new parts for your car. So don't judge it on its first hour. Play it for a bit. Level up your car and then tell, then say. But I think these big websites who review, like IGN, they've got to get that review out, right? So they don't have 200 hours to put into a game. They, they play it for four and then they review it. So I, w- I would say don't go off the reviews. Try it. See if you like it yourself. The crew too. I've also been playing this week Luminez Remastered. So Luminez was a PSP game back in the day. It was exclusive to PSP for some time. And it's a cool, like, it's like a Tetris game with cool rave music. And like the skins, which they call them for each level, are very different from one another. So imagine playing Tetris. It looks like Tetris. And then the next level that you get to looks like, you know, Pokemon. Like, they change the whole look of everything. So, that's what they do in Luminez. And this is Luminez Remastered. It's out now on, like, PC, PS4, and Xbox. And when they say remastered, I don't agree that it's remastered. Because it's the same. Controversial. Yeah, it's it's not been, like, made to look better. It looks the same. <laughs> but it's now on these different platforms. And... I said to you, I love Luminez. I can sit and play it all day. But I've said to you, I something clicked about Luminez that I can't lose anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand how to play it completely. It used to be so hard. Right. So I can just sit there and uh, it is hard when you don't understand it. And as soon as it clicks, which Tetris also can click with you. But the thing is about Tetris, it gets faster and faster. So eventually you can't keep up with it and you, you'll lose with Luminez, it goes along at the same speed all the time. So if you understand how to play it, you could just play it indefinitely until you get fed up or bored. So I have that with Luminez. I can, I, on my second attempt, I went all the way around every skin. So I saw it all on my second attempt. So I think Luminez is a great game if you're new to it. If you're a veteran, you might be a little bit bored after a while. So that's my game for this week. Uh, Sito, what's for dinner? Tonight there will be beans, fried egg. What kind of beans? Uh, baked beans, Bush's baked beans, vegetarian version, if you want to exact. And uh, either fried egg or, or scrambled egg sandwich, fried egg sandwich, whatever you, whatever you end up wanting. And some coleslaw, which is so delicious. I and love that, coleslaw. You asked me what I wanted for dinner yesterday. And I just give you a very explicit, I said, <laughs> uh, fries, that didn't come off. That though. didn't happen. Um, coleslaw and a burger on a bun. Veggie burger, because we're vegetarian. Yeah, veggie burger. We just uh, call them burgers in this house. And you were like, oh, really? <laughs> and then what was, how, how good was coleslaw? It was really good. And you know, all my life, I'm 50, and I was raised by women who, you made your own coleslaw because there was no coleslaw dressing in the store so you make some miracle whip and a little bit of sugar and a little bit of garlic powder sometimes my mom would um shred up or whatever you call it you know on a grater some onion put it in there let it make the dressing so it's nice and sweet and tart maybe a little mustard set it aside you do your cabbage yourself you know shred it all up you leave that in a bowl and if you leave it too long then you got to drain the water off you know the whole process now I can buy a bag of shredded cabbage and a jar of what I didn't know was going to be absolutely delicious coleslaw dressing, I must admit. 
And, so that's uh, why it was kind of like, oh, I'm breaking tradition. <laughs> oh, not only am I eating a veggie burger, I'm also <laughs> getting pre-packaged, basically, coleslaw. And what is your advice before we leave? Today's advice is today or tomorrow, whenever you want to do it, don't be defined by the worst thing or your interpretation of the worst thing that you hear or see or read or that someone says to you. Like, that's your decision. If someone, you know, comments on your clothes or your size of your behind or your makeup or comments about one of your children in a way that you're like, oh, really? Mm. And then that sticks in your mind all day. That one thing defined your whole day. Or it could be anything. It could be that last week at work you did a thing and then today you find out somebody complained about it. Now, it's over and done with, but that thought starts to infect your brain. And your whole day, it's like that's in a loop. What did I, did I screw up? What did they think? Did I make a mistake? Did I, da, da, should I do this? Should I do that? Have they, you know, you know any, it could be any of it, anything. If somebody just comments on, or you read something that's negative, which is very easy to do. <laughs> like, but if you decide to let one thought, one thing that you've heard just replay in your mind, like, you know, old cassette tapes, this will tell you how old we are, where you'd like, play it back, play it back, rewind, play it back. You know, if that's how your brain is working on this one thing, that's your decision. And it's hard to break the cycle and get over it, but you cannot let an entire day of your life, could be the last day of your life, could be one of the last days of your life. I mean, they all are, essentially. (laughs) But you're deciding to let something someone else said or thought or did or their perception of something that you've said or done or done, whatever, you've let that completely decide your whole day and your brain. Like you're less productive, you're less happy, you're less, you're more tense, you're more uptight, you feel bad about yourself, about how you look or about your hair or about your butt size or anything, you know. The flower in front of your house. Well, last year they were nice and, and purple, weren't they? And this year you've you've got the white, I guess. Is that where you're going with it this year? I mean, it could be something so innocuous. To me, I wouldn't give a shit. But a lot of people will let that kind of a comment replay in their mind until it's dominating them. And then it's like you've just given, you've handed somebody your whole day and they don't care. That's really the real thing. The other person or the article on the internet or the news story, they don't give a shit how you feel. And you've let it control your whole day. So just don't. <laughs> well, well said. <laughs> That's a directive. That's not advice. That is just to me telling you what to do. So well said. And uh, very, well, very well said. <laughs> <laughs> well received. So. We'll see. You can catch uh, our website, sayschooly.com, sidtor.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. You can get it on your Amazon device. Just say your trigger word and say, listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn. It will play you the latest episode. We're on YouTube. We're also on just aschoolie.com slash podcast. You can subscribe there. Email feedback to me at aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. And finally, stay classy 
uh, Greg Belanti and all your DC shows in this movie. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone like me will come along and do it for you. <laughs>